Good morning, church. We are, we're in a series uh, called Mind the Gap, and uh, the reason we're in this series is because of that question, who is Jesus? If you look at all the world religions, all differ on this idea of who Jesus is, and we wanted to do a series that helped address a statement that I keep hearing, and maybe you've heard it too. Aren't all religions just alike? Aren't they all the same? They similarly talk about some of the same things about needing a Savior and and getting to the afterlife. Aren't they all the same? And I want you to know this morning, as we've been in this series, they couldn't be more different. And it really is about that question. We're going to follow up at the end with this question about who is Jesus because really that is the question of who do you say he is. If any religion uh, would have to answer one question, that would be the question to answer. There are four purposes why we wanted to do this series. One, we wanted to inform you on the main points of other religions. Um, Not from the standpoint of trying to demonize them or tell you how wrong they are. Uh, Quite the contrary, just want you to have a 101 understanding, a basic understanding of, of what they believe. But secondly, we want to identify the major differences. So that you could say very clearly, oh no, no, we're not the same. We're very much different. Uh, We want to instruct you on how to engage. Friends, I'll say this morning, like we said last week, we got to be on our knees praying. If if anything we heard last week, if you didn't get a chance to, to be here last week, one of the things of just the God moving throughout the world really starts from prayer. God moving in the hearts of men and women who don't believe in him, it comes through prayer. Uh, Fourthly, or thirdly, we want to instruct you on how to gauge them. We just, again, I just said pray. But fourthly, inspire you about the Christian faith. What is it that we can hold on to in the Christian faith as we learn about the differences that we get excited and energized about? I mean, what is it about that? I know this is an interesting season for us to be talking about this because we launch into, you know, feasting on Thanksgiving and it's interesting, I have a new way for us to measure how good your Thanksgiving was. Because didn't everybody, has everybody heard the question, how was your Thanksgiving? Anybody got that? Nobody else did? You guys are mean people. Um, yeah, everybody asked how your Thanksgiving was. I have a new way to answer that. Answer it in pounds. How many of you had a two pound kind of Christmas? Yeah. A five pound? How about a 20? Anybody had a 20 pound Christmas you ate? Now we don't want to raise our hands, do we? The holiday season's filled. If, if you were to strip away all of the, the tradition, all of the holiday stuff that we put in there, what are you left with? What are you really left with this season? Could it be that we miss, in the midst of all the wrapping paper tore up, right? At, at the end of Christmas, is it, there's wrapping paper everywhere. And have you ever had so much wrapping paper you've lost You've lost the presents. You've lost maybe parts to the pieces that have already been opened. You, you've lost things. It reminds me of the story of the Border Patrol officer who, uh, as he began his career uh, at this one border, he, would see, he saw one time this large truck come in with this gentleman driving it, and he just looked suspicious. He said, something's not right. And so he stopped him, and he had the dogs come out and, and sniff the car and make sure that there were no drugs in it. And 
Finally, after a few tests, let him pass through. But the guy came back next week with a different truck. And just confused, he said, I'm going to check this truck. And so over the years, this guy comes every week, and he goes through every battery of tests, from x-rays the car or the trucks. He's, he's taken off panels off the trucks looking, what is this guy smuggling in? This happens for years. This Border Patrol officer is so exhausted and can't find anything and figure he's beat, just waves him through with suspicion. I know something's not right. This guy's last day of his career, he sure enough sees this fellow who's gotten much older himself, but again, driving a truck, decides to stop him one last time. Walks up to the window and says, listen, I've been letting you through here for years. I know you're smuggling something. I know you're smuggling something. I, I know I've taken all these tests and you've, you keep getting around something, but I know something's telling me you're smuggling something. Listen, it's my last day. I'm not going to report you. Just tell me so I can, I can retire with some sense of, of sanity that I, I knew I was right. He says, what are you smuggling? Guy looked at him and said, trucks. <laughs> I, I feel like, as funny as that is, I feel like we miss something that comes through every season. It, it comes right through your patrol check, right? What is this holiday really about? Isn't that the question we ask ourselves? What is, what is Christmas really about? Let's really, really dig in this year and, and do a number on getting back to the basics of, of what our holiday season is about. And we, and we try to do all these things to, to fix it or to adjust it, and we miss the truck. It's really about Jesus. It's what you saw in the video. It's what we're going to talk about in these world religions. It comes down to the basis of who you understand Jesus is. I want to talk about two different religions this morning. Church of the Latter-day Saints, Mormons, or the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, Church of the Latter-day Saints, uh, the Mormon faith, uh, uses very similar language, and so do the Jehovah Witnesses. And they are... Both different religious groups that if you were to talk about Jesus and God and the Bible, you would think, ah, you believe in those? I do too. We're the same. And they're very, 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 very different. And I want to give you that picture this morning. I want to I contrast them. Again, this is 101. This is really basic. Uh, so if you want to push further, and I want you to know we're doing a, on, in December, is it December 12th? December 12th on Saturday morning, Jay Warner Wallace, who does uh, really cold case Christianity, he's going to be here again, and he's going to do God's crime scene. This is great for your kids to hear. It's, it, everyone should be here for this. And I, again, uh, we don't get any more to have you here for this. It's an offering for us to understand clarity about how do we talk about a God that we say we believe in, do we know much about why? What's the evidence What's the evidence that, as he will talk about, just convicts God for being really who he says he is and convicts Jesus of saying who they really are is true? And I want to just inform you that, that that's there for you. Uh, I would say every one of us should go to this. You're not going to get the depth that uh, we're going to get this morning. Now again, I want to say my purpose is not to demonize these two different religious groups. It really is to show you there's 
differences, okay? Um, first, on the first level, just basically about God. If you were to talk to an Orthodox Christian, that means Bible-believing uh, Christians, uh, as we are probably represented by our church, our non-denom church, or most evangelical churches in America uh, that say they're Christian, we believe in a, in a God that has a, is a part of this trinity, is, is the trinity. And we've talked about this before, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's tough for us to, we can describe it, but to say we understand it would be, uh, we'd be lying to ourselves. The scripture both supports the idea of, of God, Father, Son, and Spirit being present. We see this in the very beginning of creation in Genesis. We see it all throughout scripture that this trinity is supported. It never says trinity, but it is that. We are a monotheistic faith. We believe in one God, which is confusing as we said last week. Uh, that it sounds like there's three gods, but we're really not saying that. So this is tough, but I want to see where there's, there's some differences. The Jehovah Witnesses would say there is no trinity. Uh, there is no trinity that, that Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit are other spirit power beings. And it's almost as if they're talking about two other gods that exist with this God, but just to hear this morning that they would not believe in a trinity. And that, that should be a diversion or at least a gap for us to understand. In Mormonism, a little bit more blatant as far as the separation here, and that is there's a statement out of the literature in one of their books, and it says this, as man now is, God once was. If you're reading that and you're thinking that's a mistake, no, the Mormons would believe that God was a human who did something well at another planet, who found himself a female partner, and they populated uh, with new spirit beings who are us, demons, and angels that populate this earth. And the second part of this, and God now is, uh, as God now is, man may be. We have a chance to do the same thing. And that's what we're on our journey here on this earth. And so there's a, a very big difference on, on what we say God is. As Christians, we would say that the Bible teaches, as it says, that we've been created in the likeness of God, in his image. But we would all agree it doesn't make us God, right? We've been made like him in many ways, but we are still not God. We will never have omniscience, all-knowing, omnipotence, all-power, omnipresent. We can't be in all places at, at once. We will never be God. In a Mormon picture, there's a possibility that you can do that. And so that's, that's a huge gap, wouldn't you say, in what we believe and what we understand. The second comparison, though, I want to get to our holy books, our holy books. And last week I talked a little bit about this with the, with the um, Islam and they have the Quran. You have uh, similarly some other books. We have the Bible. We would say um, that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Uh, free from flaw, that it has not been changed. Now, what you have in Jehovah Witnesses is they have the Bible. They would consider the Bible as a holy book. But what they would also say is that uh, there was a season where they started to do studies for someone else to in not only interpret, but to add to or take away where the Bible did not get it right. Does that make sense? And so there is a Jesus plus 
there is a Bible plus something else. And it's, you know, the Watchtower, I think, is a publication that comes out. And the organization has that authority to write and change some of those interpretations or doctrine. In Mormonism, it's the Bible um, as one of the holy books, but it's also the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price. And they, again, would say that those books have a high level of authority on the mistakes or the things that the Bible does not include. Now, it may just sound just like interpretation, and we're interpreting, right? We're interpreting the Bible. The difference is we're not adding to or taking away from what we understand the Scripture to say. That gets us to this term, so I want to help you understand a little bit more fully about these books, because that may be confusing for some of you who are young believers or don't understand Christian history. There's a term in in theology, and it's called active progressive revelation. Things that God revealed to humanity were not not all given at once. His revelation was given in stages and continues to be revealed. This is the idea that God is continuing, uh, continuing to reveal things to his people. He doesn't do it all at once. Now, if you were to pick up your Bible and go from Genesis to Revelation, you would see that, wouldn't you? God did not reveal everything in Genesis, nor in Exodus. It's a progressive, right, revelation. God continues to reveal his truth. The problem comes into where we understand that we believe then that revelation was finished at the end of Revelation itself, it said no one should add words to this book or take away from words from this book. We would say that, that revelation was closed. Uh, a basic Orthodox Christian, you in this room, if you're a Bible-believing church and, and Christian, you would believe that this revelation is finished. Now he does give us now the Holy Spirit to understand that revelation. Here's the difference with these other religions. So you have the Bible is canonized. The Bible was canonized. That means, the word canon means to be a rule or a standard. And the Bible had books uh, all the way in the Old Testament. The, uh, the Torah was written. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The, the Jews, you'd use the, those books. Um, some of the prophetic books were written. It says, wasn't that it was written in 367 AD, but it was finally agreed upon that these are the 66 books that are the canon. That's when you hear the canoned Bible. And they agreed that it had accuracy and consistency and it was the final revelation that God uh, would, would, they would put together called the Bible. All right? Now I put it off here like the Bible, parts of the Bible still existed, meaning these separate books, but it was canonized in 367 AD. So Christian faith is a single authority. There is no other authority than God himself and the revelation that we understand in in his Bible. Now, look at the Catholic faith. Catholic would believe that not only is the Bible a holy book, but that, we'll talk about this next week in Matthew 16, that there is what's called a papacy order. The, The Pope's office and the Vatican have now authority to write, right? You read the Vatican and and the different rules or regulations around the expression of this book, right? And they can bind or loose things. They can say, this is wrong, this is right. It doesn't even necessarily have to say it in the Bible, but it's their interpretation of what they sense because they believe that God is revealing to the Pope and the Vatican Council 
God is telling them to tell us these things. You see that? So there's, it's not just the Bible, it's plus the papacy, all right? Again, I'm not bashing that, I'm just, I'm telling you the difference. You see that now in Islam. Islam would believe that the Bible is a holy book. Um, the n- more newer parts of the, the New Testament, they would probably not buy as part of, the, of truth. But as um, I've talked to my Muslim friends, they would see that the Quran is the, the, the secondary authority or the greater authority. Muhammad took on revelation and God told him, or the angel told him, uh, about what to write, or actually was written for him and given to him. And so this is in 632 AD. Again, progressive revelation, even though the Bible was closed as revelation, they see it as continuing on. Look at Joseph Smith. 1830, Joseph Smith said an angel came to him he, uh, and told him about what the true expression of the Bible was and it was adding more to that story. Part of that story is that Jesus uh, was in Israel and then came to the Americas right after he uh, was in Israel and that he met with a secret group of people. Again, I'm not trying to make light of this. I'm telling you this is what they teach and believe. And so Joseph Smith now is the carrier of the greater authority, right? It's not just the Bible anymore. They would say they believe in the Bible. But it's the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price that they would say, now this gives us greater clarity and understanding. It's more revelation. You see this also with uh, Jehovah Witnesses. The Watchtower organization really becomes the authority of which they sense that God is revealing to them what will and will not happen. Does that make sense? So I wanted you to grasp this because if you want to have a dialogue around this, this is a very interesting with any religion, is the Bible the final revelation of God? And that's where you're going to get into the different people they believe are prophets after the Bible has been written that they would say that God has revealed to them. Now, I want to make a comment about any of this that I think is really important. Anything I'm telling you is, is not so that you go bash other people. On one extreme, we don't want to be, we hear this and now say how wrong you are. I think as God teaches us and as we talk about our faith and grow in our faith, it should only increase our compassion and love to pray for and to have relationship with people and be kind. Be kind. Honestly, I think Mormons do this really well. They're kind people. You meet a Mormon, they're just some of the nicest people. As one pastor said, they value humanity maybe than most people. They really do. We need to be kind. But what that doesn't mean, kind doesn't mean tolerance. We've used this word tolerance now out of context of Scripture. Tolerance doesn't mean, well, everybody's right then, and I'm going to accept everybody's way as truth. That's actually crazy talk. Everybody can't have the right way. Uh, Truth itself is there has to be one truth. Now, can we have similar beliefs? Can we embrace other faiths? Yes. But tolerance um, doesn't necessarily mean acceptance. Um, It it can mean we probably just need to be kind and learn how to dialogue with people. Uh, about their faith. This is a great dialogue point about active progressive revelation. What do you believe as ultimate truth? Is it the Bible plus something else? 
The other part of this, really the last part, that really is the, the big part for us, I think, this morning, and especially as we head into this holiday season that, quite frankly, as a Christian, is a very powerful holiday. There's two parts of the year, whether or not when Jesus was born and died and been different to, but we have picked as a culture these, these dates to celebrate around Jesus. I mean, Christmas, it's interesting how our culture wants to remove Jesus, but then what is Christmas? Christmas was about the birth of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we believe Son of God, virgin birth, you heard it in the video, right? Did amazing miracles, but he ultimately would die on a cross. He would resurrect from the dead to beat death and to overcome the penalty of sin that we would have. And then it says that he would leave with us the Holy Spirit and then he would return one day. This is how we know Jesus. This is how we teach about who Jesus is. In the Jehovah Witness culture, in the religion, they believe that Jesus was a spirit creature, Michael, the archangel. And that he was created by God, but there was no resurrection. And I'll just say this, this morning to you, in any conversation about a world religion, once you remove the resurrection, it's, it's, the gap is massive. Really, we, we are no different than any other religion in the world then because apart from the death of Christ, there is no way to be saved. At least as we understand the revelation of Scripture that says you, you've been saved by grace. It's through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Or it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I mean, these, these passages are, are speaking right to the reality of who Jesus is. In this sense, you remove the resurrection, the deal's over. You are now in a works-based religion that you have to earn something. And then Jesus' life was a farce. Mormonism uh, talks about uh, Jesus in, in this sense, that uh, his father was God. Uh, but he had the help of another exalted being called Mother God who gave birth to spirit children. And uh, I, this is basics, again, Mormonism, but there, we are those spirit beings, but so are demons and so are angels. And then they would also say that they gave birth to Jesus, but also gave birth to Lucifer. Uh, and so there is this... Uh, Again, interesting picture of who God is, but also who Jesus is. And it removes the deity. And you see, I I want you to hear this morning that I think it's dangerous for us to assume, oh man, there's a couple similarities because there's the language is the same. You know, language, we might use the same, but it's different all over, isn't it? If I were to say I want to order a soda, what does that mean, right? It means different Everybody in this room, probably in the South. If I were to order tea in the South, what's that going to get me? If I'm going to say I want sugar, what do you think that means in the South? It's not a pound of pure cane sugar. It's I'm getting some loving. (laughs) I say that because you have to be very cautious in some of the conversations that we'll have. And I know many of you are uncomfortable to dive into faith conversations about Really, who is Jesus? Because if someone says, do you believe in Jesus? And you go, yes. And the conversation's over. You haven't dug down deep enough. 
And I want you to hear this morning, it really does come down to understanding where people are at with the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Who is he this morning to you? In Matthew 16, Jesus is going to present this to his disciples. He's going to take his disciples on a field trip. Now, if you were picking a field trip, you might just say, let's go down the street to the Bible college that's there or some really nice spiritual place that Jesus has done some great miracle. But he does something very different. Jesus takes his disciples for a 25-mile walk. He's committed. He's committed to this, this location. And he says it goes to the district or the region of Caesarea Philippi. Why is that important? It's, it's an area, uh, Caesarea Philippi, was, was built by one of the Caesars um, in honor of the god Pan. It's the goat man that plays the flute. And, and it was for one of the Caesars, uh, uh, Philip, and he, he wanted his, this whole area to be something where everybody could worship this pagan god, and so it's this massive piece of rock probably larger than this room, and then it has a sheer wall, about 100, maybe 100, over 200 feet high, and it's got these archways carved in it, beautiful archways, these portals where they put gods and goddesses all in there. It also has this big pond that they were sacrificing humans and throwing them in here, and so Jesus decides, I'm going to, I'm going to have a teaching moment for my disciples, I'm going to take him to the place that is most absent of truth, most absent of spiritual reality and understanding of who I am. And he takes him. And he says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's asking, what are people saying about me? Jesus is not an egomaniac. Jesus is not trying to just get, you know, what's his Twitter feed up to or, or his Facebook friends. He he really wants to hear what are the answers, and they start to say, well, some say this, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, and this would have made sense because you have to understand, all the way in the Old Testament, we see prophetic language saying that there will be a Messiah that will come. And, and the language is such that helps the, the reader think, well, there's going to be restoration, there's going to be healing, there's going to be victory. And in a Jew's mind, it was, wow, we're going to get our political authority restored. We're going to get our land restored. We're going to, we're going to reach back this status of being Hebrews and Jewish that, that return us back to our glory. And so it made sense for them to make some of these answers. But then Jesus turns it and says, but what about you? I get what everybody else is saying. I, I get that everybody may say all the religions are the same and everybody picked their own truth and why don't we all coexist and, and why don't we all just get along and love each other and let everybody believe what they believe? Yes, yes, yes. But Jesus is asking the question that we have to ask this morning. But who do you say he is? Because see, that, that is the, the bedrock of your faith. Jesus standing on a bedrock of stone is going to ask his disciples, what's the foundation of the answer to this question? The foundation is who you say I am. You see, this morning, if, 
if, if you say that Jesus is just a good person, you don't have a foundation. Your life is then banking on the fact you're going to be good enough to earn God's favor. If he was just a good philosopher or, or a prophet that had some good things to say, then this foundation, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing with his disciples. He's standing at this bedrock, this, this bedrock of really, of pagan culture, of saying, I want to tell you what really matters as far as the foundation of your faith in your life. Who do you say I am? With Jehovah Witnesses, with Mormons, with any world religion. Friends, the bedrock of your conversation can go right to this. Who do you say Jesus is? Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Pretty powerful statement for a guy who gets it wrong and sticks his foot in his mouth pretty much his whole discipleship career, right? Jesus, even at the end of this passage, is going to say, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. So, you know, how great Peter was with this answer, and then minutes later, he's Satan. So he's, he's living the, the dichotomy of just a, a tension-filled world for himself. Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh, by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. We're going to get back to that passage next week as we talk about Catholicism and the difference. I want to say this, though, this morning, that, that Scripture says that when we hear truth from God, yes, there needs to be a discipline for us to open up our Bibles and to read and believe it's inspired, but ultimately, it's going to be the Holy Spirit revealing to you. It's that moment you go, oh, He is who He says He is. He's more than a figurine in a little manger. He's more than a feel-good by presents and Christmas songs in a holiday season. He's more than just a Sunday sit at church for an hour and a half. He's more than just a simple devotion in your, in your mornings. He's more than a fun worship song. He is the bedrock. He is the solid foundation of your entire existence. Who do you say Jesus is? Now that's our question as we go to communion this morning, as we, as we respond to communion this morning and we have a chance to take the, the, the cup that represents the blood spilled for us and, and the body broken. And I think for Christmas season, I think sometimes we, we should almost blend those two holidays of Easter and Christmas. And you're thinking, oh, that's morbid. No, it's not. Without Easter, His birth means Nothing. If Jesus doesn't do what he says he was going to do, if he just died on the cross and he never resurrected, why would we remember a day that he was born? It's because of the victory and it's because we know hindsight what happened. So we get a chance to celebrate and remember that this child born is the Messiah. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Is he just a prophet? Is he a moralist? I'd ask you this question this morning for you to wrestle with. Because if he is the Messiah, the Son of God, if your answer was revealed to you like Peter, then it should change everything about you. It will change how you live your life. 
It'll change how you interact with people and humans and humanity. It'll change how you work. It'll change how you think. It'll change your disciplines. It'll change your marriages. It'll change your families. When Jesus is the bedrock, it changes how you spend your money. It changes how you spend your time. It changes how you think about church. It changes how you think about truth. Who do you say he is? That's the big question. Father in heaven, as we go to communion this morning, might we be re-inspired that your son Jesus, your son Jesus is the foundation for us being Christ followers. It's foundational, Father, because we have nothing without him. We have nothing without this sacrifice that you've given us. Without him, Lord, it is crossing our fingers, hoping for mercy. And God, your scripture says that you've promised mercy. In Romans, it says that we, if we speak with our lips and believe in our heart that, you have, that Jesus Christ came and, and was raised from the dead, we, we're saved. God, might we grasp onto that hope this morning and answer the question ourselves, who Jesus is. We pray this in your son's Jesus' name. Amen.